You're listening to episode 27 of the Bookcast for Dwell, an Advent study in liturgy. This bookcast has been designed to give you another way to engage with the content of the book. Hi, my name is Rachel Fehrenbach. I'm the author of Dwell and your host for these episodes. Today, we're continuing in week four with day four, and we're dwelling on some more scripture. Now, once again, there is quite a bit to read here, but there's so much to be gained from meditating on these scriptures. So at this time, I'm going to ask you to pause the bookcast and read Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, Luke 1, 67 through 79, and Luke 2, 1 through 38. So go ahead and do that at this time. Welcome back. Now, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to reread Isaiah 9, 1 through 7 with the following in mind. As you read verse 1, consider how this prophet. As you read verse 1, consider how this is a prophecy grounded in the imagery of the Exodus. As you read verses 2 through 3, consider this imagery of a world covered in darkness, then a great light shines. Also note the joy that follows God's favor in multiplying the nations and providing abundance. Both statements carry echoes of the creation story. Consider in verses 4 through 5 this reference back to the battle of Gideon. Judges 6-7 through against the Midianites. Because of Israel's disobedience, God allowed the Midianites to ransack Israel's crops during harvest. Israel cries out to God. He raises up Gideon to destroy the altar of Baal, which means master, tear down the Asherahs, tree-like structures honoring the goddess of fertility, and defeat Midian in a battle with only 300 men. This reference accomplishes two things. One, calls to remembrance that God is a true creator God who brings about abundant life, and two, reminds Israel that they cannot break away from this oppressive master without God's divine and miraculous intervention. As you read verses 6 through 7, be sure to slow down as you move through these very familiar verses. We often see these verses as describing the peace the Messiah will bring to a turbulent world, but read this time with the references to creation Exodus, and the battle of Midian in mind. The Messiah will be God, the Eternal, who is at the beginning of creation. He has both the earthly right, a child born from King David's line, and divine right. He also has the ability to redeem his kingdom, his dwelling place of humanity, and restore shalom. Okay, now go ahead and reread that passage and then come back here as we continue to consider and reread the other passages. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to reread Luke 1, 67 through 79, and I'm going to ask you to do so with the following in mind. As you read Zechariah's prophecy, consider how he echoes the prophecies of the Psalms and prophets. Especially note the use of the phrases, horn of salvation, servant David, and give light to those who sit in darkness. Note the reference to the Abrahamic covenant and God's promise to bless the nations through Israel. Also note the shepherd imagery of guidance to a place of shalom. All right, now go ahead and reread that passage and then come back here for the final passage. Okay, we're going to reread Luke 2, 1 through 38 in a moment. And when you do, I want you to make sure you slow down because you're going to be tempted to read quickly through these familiar verses, the the account of the birth of Jesus in Luke. You probably have heard it a million times. You may have even... You may even be able to quote some of it. Um, 
As you read, bring all the themes and events we have been considering so far into the reading of this recorded account of the birth of Emmanuel. Consider how in the first few verses we get specific messianic imagery concerning Jesus. Number one, he was born in Bethlehem, a fulfillment of prophecy and a reminder of the kinsman redeemer. Number two, he's a descendant of David, an important requirement for the Messiah. Number three, he's a firstborn. Firstborn humans and animals were dedicated to God's service. This point is repeated in verse 22. Number four, he slept in a manger, the feeding place for animals. God promised to feed his sheep in Ezekiel. I also want you to consider how the first to receive the news of his birth are the other shepherds, and that the angels echo the words of Isaiah 9, a child, the suffering servant and prince of peace, has been born as a savior for us. As you read, notice how it is on the eighth day, a day often associated with newness or new creation, that the child is named Jesus, God saves. Consider the fact that Simeon, whose name means God has heard, was waiting for the Messiah at the temple when Jesus was brought there to be consecrated to the Lord. He takes Jesus into his arms and also echoes Isaiah when he says, My eyes have seen your salvation, a light to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Consider how Anna, a prophetess, is also at the temple worshiping at the same time. When she sees Jesus, she breaks out in praise. She tells everyone who is waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem that Jesus is the Messiah. Her name means grace or favor. It is also a variation on the name Hannah, echoing the story of a woman who prayed earnestly for a child, Samuel, and fulfilled her promise to dedicate him to the Lord's service. Now go ahead and reread Luke 2, 1 through 38 with all of that in mind. Thank you for joining me today as we dwelled on scripture. Join me here tomorrow as we continue to dwell with God this Advent season. 